0: This is the Saxo Market Call, daily insights on what is moving the financial markets.
1: Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Monday, 19th of December, 2022. Pretty ugly close to last week, to say the least. It was a big options expiry day on Friday, but Friday itself not seeing anything remarkable volatility-wise versus uh, the big volatility on the prior day after that FOMC meeting, but the um, uh, still some downside action and closing the week on a sour note. Quite a remarkable weekly candlestick, as we talked about on Friday, uh, as we did close at or uh, near the lows for the week, and that uh, sort of engulfed the previous few weeks of price action, both on the upside and the downside. So, really remarkable, a pretty emphatic reversal here, to say the least, uh, technically speaking. Uh, what are the next levels and do we maintain any amount of energy heading into the rest of the year? That's the question. I think the only the uh, source of potential volatility might just be sort of end of year, end of quarter portfolio rebalancing. It's tough to see people really wanting to put capital work as we're headed for the last couple of weeks of this very remarkable year for markets.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think the energy is really fizzling out of this uh, this market. We had the big recalibration to the uh, CPI a circus as you uh, as you called it in last week's podcast john yeah so that we we have seen this recalibration and that's where we are right now you can see on slide two you can see the performance baskets and the green transformation basket was really doing bad and other high duration types of baskets that really react to high interest rates were also doing quite bad and i i should i should point out on slide three Now, one of the markets that recently bounced back, but is really set for, I think, a potential ugly 2023 is those remarks from Lagarde, the the message from the ECB that they are willing to hike into a recession to get firmly inflation under control. And that's a double whammy for construction, because construction is thriving in a pro-cyclical economy that is expanding positive credit formation and low interest rates. So construction have uh, sort of right now will be hit by a double whammy if the 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 refinance and the and the mortgage rates go up at at the same time as you go into a recession in Europe. If that's the case, then construction should trading uh, should trade much lower. And I put in the um, the CST uh, ETF on the stock 600 construction index. It trades in the in the Paris uh, stock exchange on the Paris stock exchange, I should say, so watch that one. I think that's an that's an interesting theme. But otherwise, John, I think it it will be quiet market. I'm really really looking forward to the first. 2 3 weeks of training in January because that will illuminate what are the thoughts uh, from uh, from hedge funds institutional investors and pension funds because that's where you will see the big rotation i think there will be some re- uh, rebalancing in the in the last week before new year you can already already see there's a lot of talks about uh, large investors Positioning themselves in different ways in the bond market relative to the equity market, I really think they want to get that balance right uh, because the whole narrative and this and question we will have to deal with in the early part of next year is whether we are slipping into that recession or we can avoid it. Uh, a super interesting question.
1: Yeah, I think so. Also, I think it's very interesting as you already bring up the uh, the idea that the ECB is is talking as tough as it is. I think they're going to have a hard time delivering without triggering a new existential situation with peripheral spreads etc i think they're very concerned about the fiscal outlook as well they're trying to talk tough and and i think that'll be one of the big tension points in the new year to what degree can the ecb deliver and i'll talk about fx here because it's pretty interesting as well with the us meeting last week that you have the fed saying that it's going to be a five to five plus at the end of next year and the market resolutely ignoring it and very loudly so i mean you've seen almost no volatility in its forward view of uh, the policy rate from the Fed, expecting 50 basis points of cut still in the second half. According to market pricing, we saw a couple of soft uh, preliminary December PMIs uh, on uh, Friday, perhaps feeding a little bit of uh, negativity and caution on the outlook here uh, on the margin. I think there's also interesting uh, issues afoot with the calendar roll into the new year. We have this whole stupid uh, debt, debt ceiling situation developing once again in the U.S. You have the Treasury uh, providing some liquidity, and and that is uh, dollar negative for, for now. As long as it does so, as it draws down its account with the Fed, it has to keep the the you know it has to keep the government funded as this uh, debt ceiling nonsense proceeds. Once that hurdle is then cleared, then the the Treasury builds up again, and that's I think when you have the more dangerous uh, point of time or time frame for markets. So we have to watch that issue closely as dollar traders. It's it's one of these idiosyncratic things that, that needs to be tracked. Um, Overnight, we had the Bank of Japan uh, discuss or a a Prime Minister story that Prime Minister Kishida is potentially looking at discussing the Bank of Japan's 2 percent inflation target that was read as hawkish. I think this is going to be a very slow uh, burn issue as we look at the exit of Kuroda next spring and whoever replaces him, there will be some sort of policy shift. But for now, interesting to know the Dalian pressing once again on the 200 day moving average. I have a hard time seeing it significantly lower without something more major developing in U.S. Treasury yields at the long end of the curve. Those are still uh, stable. And then interesting to note, the sterling is a little bit weaker here uh, after that Bank of England last week. Uh, One small note, we had the worst ever uh, quarterly consumer confidence reading out of New Zealand overnight. Uh, That survey going back to the late 1980s. Plunging below the Q2 prior uh, and former low, uh, historic low for that survey. Saw the Kiwi falling out of bed a bit to start this week. This could be the beginning of a bit of mean reversion. I think that relative RBNZ tightening view versus some of its peers is getting very, very stretched uh, for New Zealand. And uh, some of the relative strength coming out of that currency. But I think there could be some more in coming weeks, perhaps, as the new year gets underway. Uh, but Ole, you've got your useful uh, latest overview of U.S. futures positioning via the COT report, uh, and there's a couple of interesting uh, things on the currency front you've got here on slide five.
0: Yes, indeed. And uh, we, first of all, the the, uh, the slide just uh, highlights how we uh, the, the dollar position. Has uh, turned negative. Uh, it, it reached the uh, the biggest net short in 17 months uh, in in the week to last Tuesday. That was basically the day before the FMC and uh, Mark was, was, uh, when the market responded to the lower than expected CPI print we had from the US. But the, uh, the 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 main driver, which has basically occurred since uh, since August has been the continued buying of euro dollars um, and most more recently a halving of the net short that we're finding it with that we had in in dollar yen so so the market is is uh is, is gearing up for some some further further dollar weakness here and uh, the focus there is is clearly right now on the euro and the and the yen as a key driver for for that uh for that dollar uh that negative dollar view and dollar position some of
1: that could be uh i've noticed uh... In the charts, if you look at something like Euro Aussie, Euro CAD, some of that could be actually Euro plays in the crosses, not necessarily in Euro dollar. But it is a very interesting and, and pretty outspoken view on the euro relative to other currencies. So that's very interesting to, for me to see how that perhaps we see some mean reversion in that relative uh, trade there. Mentioning as well some of those those doubts that I have and I think the market has as well on what the ECB can deliver in the shape of in the, in the form of tightening in the
0: coming year. Absolutely. And, and what we've, what we quite often find is that hedge funds and money managers, they, they use these IMM futures, uh, simply because it's, it's, uh, cleared on the exchange. So they don't have any counterpart risk. And, uh, as you said, John, some of that, uh, euro long, you probably, it's probably not enough just to look at euro dollar for, for, uh, get any proper gauge of, of, uh, how that position has developed. Uh, a lot of that is probably is, is occurring against some, some shorts across some of the other, uh, the other crosses. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's giving us a decent picture of, of the general sense of, uh, of of the market views towards the dollar right now. All right.
1: Now, the precious metal space, we saw this reaction to uh, last week's CPI print, the FOMC meeting. Uh, we were trying to break up higher in gold. I think a lot of it related to the, the falling treasury yields, but it just, once again, we're disappointed here. Uh, that really key area coming into view in gold, 1800 plus, and we just get pounded back down into the range. So I guess it'll also be very interesting to see if the calendar roll supports precious metals in any way.
0: Indeed, and and also just, just simply that uh, just looking at this chart on slide 6, we, we can obviously see that big run-up we had since the early parts of November, but also how the, the it's potentially just looking a little bit topish here. But uh, so far, uh, what we've seen in, in recent weeks is uh, strong buying coming uh, back into the market. Uh, just in that, uh, again, the reporting week for the COD report last Tuesday, we saw a 50% increase. In the gold and the silver longs, so you can see that here on the right hand side on slide six, uh, how they have been uh, building up uh, in, in recent weeks. That's obviously leaving the market exposed if the if we see a correction in the market. But so far, it's holding quite well. That 21 day moving average, with the green line, we've been uh, we have not been trading below that since we broke up back in early November. So uh, that's probably the first sign of any. Any weakness in the market that we should be looking out for, but the market is trying to to build a bullish narrative for next year. It's one that we agree to, but uh, again, um, we we quite often seen how markets uh, during the first couple of weeks of the of a new year can act uh, act differently to what you what you would have expected. So I'll be a little bit cautious here by getting too too yeah. overextended before we get uh, well into January.
1: All right. The uh, <laughs> the energy situation is quite a distraction here in Europe. Uh, interesting news item overnight as we have Europe moving to cap the maximum price, I guess because it has a luxury to do so to a degree because pricing is, has moved uh, to the degree it has. H- how does this impact and feed through to, to the market here?
0: Well, at this point in time, not, not at all because uh, the price has been moved lower, but it's still well above where we uh, where we could see it uh, at least this winter. I think uh, as far as I've remember it's moved down to around 187 something like that euro per megawatt and then we haven't been even close now at the during this cold spell we had here at the start of december but uh, i just put this in just to highlight this phenomenal volatility we have not so much in the gas market because gas market is well supplied so that's why we're drifting lower we 've got some mild weather coming now for the at least for the next week or so at the same time, wind speeds have been picking up and that just just to give an idea about the volatility in power generation in europe um, uh, I just used the u k as an example there 's a small insert there on on the on the chart that 's from the national grid just to just take a look at the green line basically the uh, renewable power generation's gone from uh, around two mega, two gigawatt, uh, last Monday. And now it's, uh, back above, uh, 15 gigawatt. It will be going even higher during the day. And at the mm-hmm. same time, obviously the need for, for gas, which is the orange line has, uh, has. Has created at the same time, and this is just really still just the predicament that we find ourselves in. That uh, when the wind is blowing, we have ample amount of uh, uh, of power to uh, or, or source of energy to power the the, the sockets uh, and and give us some the power. But uh, when it doesn't, then then obviously we are challenged, and and that just reflects in the day ahead prices, which you can see is just up and down like a yo-yo. All
1: right, let's look over at, at equities again. I think it's kind of interesting overnight as well uh Peter so we have you know this 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 trade that developed that we're celebrating China opening up again there's there was a Bloomberg headline that I think uh, is interesting as well because it's it's both positive and maybe more balanced than it says uh, the headline was China hints at pro-business policies but a smaller fiscal boost so great that it's opening up but we're not going to get the type of big stimulus splash that we've seen in the past especially and the global financial crisis. And there was a huge one as well, if my memory serves, in the 15 to 16 timeframe. And then as well, so yes, we're celebrating lifting of COVID policies, but we're also seeing the impact on health this is having as people are staying home because they're ill. So we have to go through that cycle. And that could take any number of weeks. Uh, to get through as well, so it'll also be interesting, of course, to see how that develops in the new year. That's not on your stocks to watch today, Peter. I don't know if you have any further comments on the on the China angle there, but uh, Tesla is, and it's a very interesting story because he, he's running a poll here on Twitter whether he should step down as CEO. And it looks like so far the answer is yes. Please do step down from the those that have answered that survey. And uh, I wonder if he does step down, if it might actually bring a little bit of relief to to the Tesla stock at some point. What what are, you, what are your thoughts there? <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, well, this story about Elon Musk—it's just getting weirder and weirder. Yeah, it's correct. This poll—it it, it ends at uh, the 10:20 GMT, so that's a little bit less than two hours from from this current time when we are recording this uh, this podcast. And you're absolutely correct. Uh, correct, fifty-seven percent so far out of the 14 million votes or so uh, is voting in favor of him stepping down. But he very quickly after that poll was initiated and said he would follow through on on the polls result he followed up saying nobody really wants this job of keeping uh, twitter alive so i um there is no successor basically saying that he uh he will continue right so he's just running these games and i think it's these games are are what's really uh you know making investors very nervous at tesla It, it the tesla shares as you can see on slide eight it closed at 150 and um we get into that support zone uh, area that we had back in, in in around you know late late Q3, early Q4 of 2020. It's a very important zone we're coming into. There's a lot of uncertainty over over demand, but this this Elon Musk distraction, a lot of you know long-term backers and shareholders of of, uh, of Tesla has has said publicly that they are worried about this uh, of his distraction from from Tesla and. I wonder whether this very, very big uh, slide in Tesla, I mean, this is the bulk of his wealth that is tied to the, to the, um, to the fate of Tesla, whether that is prompting him to maybe, okay, maybe I should try to find an an, an escape route from, uh, from this, uh, from this Twitter thing. Um, so but let, let's see where this goes. But I think, as we've said before, Tesla is not very important, a uh, bulwark of um, sentiment in the technology sector, especially among the very hyper growth companies, ARC, in, uh, ARC Innovation, ETF, et cetera. So it's really an important one to have on the radar. We should also mention it came in just while I was doing the slides, but uh, we have in an, Amsterdam. An, an Traded or listed company, uh, Fucro, which is down twenty percent. I'm, I'm scrambling to find. Okay, so here it is. Uh, finally, the the Bloomberg news came in. So it's uh, apparently it's uh, implicated in the 2009 dam breach in in Brazil that killed 300 people. So it's um the stock is down twenty twenty percent from uh, on the open here because obviously that will that will lead to uh, some litigation risk for that company. So if you're exposed to that one, then um, you it's not a pretty day to say the least. And if we look ahead uh, this week Nike, FedEx tomorrow uh, are key earnings to to watch and then Micron Technology I haven't highlighted it that in blue I should have on slide 9 but that's because we already know that the memory chip industry is very weak but they could uh, they could come out with a better uh, outlook so we we of course we have to to watch Micron Technology and then Carnival as well. I did a An earnings preview, which we can, which you can read on the analysis.saxo. So, so that one will, uh, that one you can read if you want our take on, uh, on, on those earnings. And then this morning, HiGo. HiGo is, uh, is reporting. It's a company that sells aerospace products to the airline industry, but also uh, the government, NSA, et cetera. Um, So, and I've put in that share price. It's still hovering around. Close to its highs, um, very strong performer uh, relative to the market, which is 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 down. And I, I would say, John, on the on the whole China thing, which you mentioned, I think it's a, one of the biggest X factors to uh, the outlook. I think both on the economy, but also equities next year, if they will succeed. But I agree with you in the in the short in the short term here, it's going to be a very volatile very volatile period for, for China to to navigate uh, the COVID uh, ending of the, the strict COVID policies and the reopening and the big stress there is on the hospitals, et cetera. And then can they really initiate these pro policies, pro business policies? And then we, as you and I have talked about in many ways, the Chinese Growth miracle and business or economic model was very much uh, an an echo of what we saw back in uh, after the World War Two with Japan and their rise to to you know, the wealth and you know being a big economy, which then really abruptly ended in the in the mid 1980s. And it it seems like China is, is reaching the same the same inflection point. They need to really tweak their their economy. And that means that they can't really ignite or kickstart the economy to the same degree via the real estate uh, sector or big infrastructure projects. Sorry, projects. It has to be via something else.
1: Yeah, great points. Uh, also, just uh, rolling back to your Tesla discussion, it reminded me that uh, on Friday, I'd seen a headline that uh, Tesla's order backlog is, is quite modest. And I have a chart in front of me showing that uh, as the as of the end of November, they had 190,000 units on backlog uh, versus a peak of almost half a million in the sort of March to July timeframe. And a lot of that was uh, not a lot of that, but a very a decent chunk of that was in China, which is reduced down to almost nil in terms of the backlog. Of course, that probably is in part because their production facilities are up and running so so well in China, but still. A very small backlog there, not helping the the Tesla story necessarily on that front. Okay, let's uh, look at the macro calendar for the week ahead as a reminder of what we're facing. We have a Bank of Japan Japan meeting up tonight. I wouldn't be expecting anything except for hints that they're considering this and considering that. Tonight, I don't think we'll see major tweaks to policy, and and we probably won't see major anything to policy, but just eventually we'll see tweaks uh, beyond the uh, Kuroda uh, governorship which expires this next spring we do have the nahb housing market index one of the better leading indicators on the u.s housing market it's expected for some reason to notch up one point for december after an absolutely epic fall uh, to 33 in november uh, so let's see what that one delivers canadian home prices uh, those are going to be under pressure for the rest of the cycle here And the German IFO survey up today, if I'm taking all these in backwards order for some reason. Rest of the week, let's look for that December consumer confidence reading out of the U.S. Usually correlates most with the labor market and people's feeling about the labor market. And perhaps the the final sort of interesting data point of the year on the U.S. uh, macro calendar, the PC inflation print on Friday for November. Again, it's the same month as we just saw the, the print for last week. I don't think we'll get a whole lot out of it. All right. That is a wrap for today. Let's see how this uh, week gets underway. And we'll be back tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at
0: Saxo Market Call or by email Saxobank.com.